Section 20 of Sermons on Several Occasions, 3rd through 5th Series. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Sermons on Several Occasions, 3rd through 5th Series by John Wesley. Free Grace. To the Reader nothing but the strongest conviction not only that what is here advanced is the truth as it is in jesus but also that i am indispensably obliged to declare this truth to all the world could have induced me openly to oppose the sentiments of those whom i esteem for their work's sake at whose feet may i be found in the day of the lord jesus should any believe it is his duty to reply to your two i have only one request to make that whatsoever you do be done inherently, in love, and in the spirit of meekness. Let your very disputing show that you have put on, as the elect of God, bowel of mercies, gentleness, long-suffering, that even according to this time it may be said, See how these Christians love one another. Whereas a pamphlet entitled, Free Grace Indeed, has been published against this sermon, this is to inform the publisher that I cannot answer his tract till he appears to be more in earnest, for I dare not speak of the deep things of God in the spirit of a prize-fighter or stage-player. He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Romans 8.32 How freely does God love the world! While we were yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. While we were dead in our sin, God spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all. And how freely with him does he give us all things! Verily, free grace is all in all. The grace or love of God, whence cometh our salvation, is free in all, and free for all. First, it is free in all to whom it is given. It does not depend on any power or merit in man, no, not in any degree, neither in whole nor in part. It does not in any wise depend either on the good works or righteousness of the receiver, not on anything he has done or anything he is. It does not depend on his endeavors, it does not depend on his good tempers, or good desires, or good purposes and intentions, for all these flow from the free grace of God. They are the streams only, not the fountain. They are the fruits of free grace, and not the root. They are not the cause, but the effects of it. Whatsoever good is in man, or is done by man, God is the author and doer of it. Thus is his grace free in all, that is, no way depending on any power or merit in man but on god alone who freely gave us his own son and with him freely giveth us all things but it is free for all as well as in all to this some have answered no it is free only for those whom god hath ordained to life and they are but a little flock the greater part of god hath ordained to death and it is not free for them them god hateth and therefore before they are born decreed they should die eternally and this he absolutely decreed because so was his good pleasure because it was his sovereign will accordingly they are born for this to be destroyed body and soul in hell and they grow up under the irrevocable curse of god without any possibility of redemption for what grace god gives he gives only for this to increase not prevent their damnation this that degree of predestination but methinks I hear one say, This is not the predestination which I hold. I hold only the election of grace. What I believe is not more than this, that God, before the foundation of the world, did elect a certain number of men to be justified, sanctified, and glorified. 
Now all these will be saved, and none else. For the rest of mankind God leaves to themselves. So they follow the imaginations of their own hearts, which are only evil continually, and waxing worse and worse, are at length justly punished with their everlasting destruction. Is this all the predestination which you hold? Consider, perhaps this is not all. Do not you believe God ordained them to this very thing? If so, you believe the whole degree, you hold predestination in the full sense, which has been above described. But it may be you think you do not. Do not you then believe God hardens the hearts of them that perished? Do not you believe he literally hardened Pharaoh's heart, and that for this end he raised him up or created him? Why, this amounts to just the same thing. If you believe Pharaoh or any one man upon earth was created for this end to be damned, you hold all that has been said of predestination. And there is no need you should add that God seconds his decree, which is supposed unchangeable and irresistible, by hardening the hearts of those vessels of wrath, whom that decree had before fitted for destruction. Well, but it may be, you do not believe even this. You do not hold any decree of reprobation. You do not think God decrees any man to be damned, not hardens, irresistibly fits him for damnation. You only say, God eternally decreed that all being dead in sin, he would say to some of the dry bones, live, and to others who would not, that consequently, these should be made alive, and those abide in death. These should glorify God by their salvation, and those by their destruction. Is not this what you mean by the election of grace? If it be, I would ask one or two questions. Are any who are not thus elected saved, or were any from the foundation of the world? Is it possible any man should be saved unless he be thus elected? If you say, No, you are but where you was, you are not got one hair's breadth farther, you still believe that, in consequence of an unchangeable, irresistible decree of God, the greater part of mankind abide in death, without any possibility of redemption, inasmuch as none can save them but God, and he will not save them. You believe he hath absolutely decreed not to save them, and what is this but decreeing to damn them? It is, in effect, neither more nor less. It comes to the same thing. For if you are dead and altogether unable to make yourself alive, then, if God has absolutely decreed he will make only others alive and not you, he has absolutely decreed your everlasting death. You are absolutely consigned to damnation. So then, though you use softer words than some, you mean the self-same thing, and God's decree concerning the election of grace, according to your account of it, amounts to neither more, not less, than what others call God's decree of reprobation. Call it, therefore, by whatever name you please, election, preterition, predestination, or reprobation, it comes in the end to the same thing. The sense of all is plainly this. By virtue of an eternal, unchangeable, irresistible decree of God, on part of mankind are infallibly saved, and the rest infallibly damned, it being impossible that any of the former should be damned, or that any of the latter should be saved. But if this be so, then is all preaching vain. It is needless to them that are elected, for they, whether with preaching or without, will infallibly be saved. Therefore the end of preaching, to save, should, is void with regard to them, and it is useless to them that are not elected, for they cannot possibly be saved. They, whether with preaching or without, will infallibly be damned. The end of preaching is therefore void with regard to them likewise, so that, in either case, our preaching is in vain, as you hearing is also vain. 
This, then, is a plain proof that the doctrine of predestination is not a doctrine of God, because it makes void the ordinance of God, and God is not divided against himself. A second is that it directly tends to destroy that holiness which is the end of all the ordinances of God. I do not say none who hold it are holy, for God is of tender mercy to those who are unavoidably entangled in errors of any kind, but that the doctrine itself, that every man is either elected or not elected from eternity, and that the one must inevitably be saved and the other inevitably damned, has a manifest tendency to destroy holiness in general, for it wholly takes away those first motives to follow after it, so frequently proposed in Scripture, the hope of future reward and fear of punishment, the hope of heaven and fear of hell that these shall go away into everlasting punishment and those in the life eternal is not motive to him to struggle for life who believes his lot is cast already it is not reasonable for him to do so if he thinks he is unalterably adjudged either to life or death you will say but he knows not whether it is life or death what then this helps not the matter for if a sick man knows that he must unavoidably die or unavoidably recover though he knows not which it is unreasonable for him to take any physic at all he might justly say and so i have heard some speak both in bodily sickness and in spiritual if i am ordained to life i shall live if to death i shall live so i need not trouble myself about it so directly does this doctrine tend to shut the very gate of holiness in general, to hinder unholy men from ever approaching thereto, or striving to enter in thereat. As directly does this doctrine tend to destroy several particular branches of holiness, such are meekness and love, love, I mean, of our enemies, of the evil and unthankful. I say not that none who hold it have meekness and love, for as is the power of God, so is his mercy, but that it naturally tends to inspire or increase a sharpness or eagerness of temper, which is contrary to the meekness of Christ, as then especially appears when they are opposed on this head. And it as naturally inspires contempt or coldness towards those whom we suppose outcast from God. Oh, but, you say, I suppose no particular man a reprobate. You mean you would not if you could help it, but you cannot help sometimes applying your general doctrine to particular persons. The enemy of souls will apply it for you. You know how often he has done so, but you rejected the thought with abhorrence. True, as soon as you could, but how did it sour and sharpen your spirit in the meantime? You well know it was not the spirit of love which you then felt towards that poor sinner, whom you supposed or suspected, whether you would or no, to have been hated of God from eternity. Thirdly, this doctrine tends to destroy the comfort of religion, the happiness of Christianity. This is evident as to all those who believe themselves to be reprobated, or who only suspect or fear it. All the great and precious promises are lost to them. They afford them no ray of comfort, for they are not the elect of God, therefore they have neither lot nor portion in them. This is an effectual bar to their finding any comfort or happiness, even in that religion whose ways are designed to be ways of pleasantness, and all her paths peace. And as to you who believe yourselves the elect of God, what is your happiness? I ho, not a notion, a speculative belief, a bare opinion of any kind, but a feeling possession of God in your heart, wrought in you by the Holy Ghost, or the witness of God's Spirit with your spirit, that you are a child of God. This, otherwise termed the full assurance of faith, is the true ground of a Christian's happiness, and it does indeed imply a full assurance that all your past sins are forgiven, that you are now a child of God.
but it does not necessarily imply a full assurance of our future perseverance. I do not say this is never joined to it, but that it is not necessarily implied therein, for many have the one who have not the other. Now this witness of the spirit experience shows to be much obstructed by this doctrine, and not only in those who, believing themselves reprobated by this belief, thrust it far from them, but even in them that have tasted of that good gift, who yet have soon lost it again, and fallen back into doubts and fears and darkness, horrible darkness, that might be felt. And I appeal to any of you who hold this doctrine to say, between God and your own hearts, whether you have not often a return of doubts and fears concerning your election or perseverance. If you ask, who has not, I answer, very few of those that hold this doctrine, but many, very many of those that hold it not in all parts of the earth, many of these have enjoyed the uninterrupted witness of his spirit, the continual light of his countenance from the moment when they first believed for many months or years to this day that assurance of faith which these enjoys excludes all doubt and fear it excludes all kinds of doubt and fear concerning their future perseverance though it is not properly as was said before an assurance of what is future but only of what now is and this needs not for its support a speculative belief that whoever is once ordained to life must live for it is wrought from hour to hour by the mighty power of god by the holy ghost which is given unto them and therefore that doctrine is not of god because it tends to obstruct if not destroy this great work of the holy ghost whence flows the chief comfort of religion the happiness of christianity again how uncomfortable as a thought is this that thousands of millions of men without any preceding offence or fault of theirs were unchangeably doomed to everlasting burnings how peculiarly uncomfortable must it be to those who have put on christ to those who being filled with bowels of mercy tenderness and compassion could even wish themselves accursed for their brethren's sake fourthly this uncomfortable doctrine directly tends to destroy our zeal for good works and this it does first as it naturally tends according to what was observed before to destroy our love to the greater part of mankind namely the evil and unthankful for whatever lessens our love must go far lessen our desire to do them good this it does secondly as it cuts off one of the strongest motives to all acts of bodily mercy such as feeding the hungry clothing the naked and the like namely the hope of saving their souls from death for what avails it to relieve their temporal wants who are just dropping into eternal fire well but run and snatch them as brands out of the fire nay this you suppose impossible they were appointed thereunto you say from eternity before they had done either good or evil you believe it is the will of god they should die and who hath resisted his will but you say you do not know whether these are elected or not what then if you know they are one or the other that they are either elected or not elected all your labor is void and vain in either case your advice reproof or exhortation is as needless and useless as our preaching it is needless to them that are elected for they are infallibly be saved without it it is useless to them that are not elected for with or without it they will infallibly be damned therefore you cannot consistently with your principles take any pains about their salvation consequently those principles directly tend to destroy your zeal for good works for all good works but particularly for the greatest of all the saving of souls from death but fifthly this doctrine not only tends to destroy christian holiness happiness and good works but hath also a direct and manifest tendency to overthrow the whole christian revelation 
the point which the wisest of the modern unbelievers most industriously labor to prove is that the christian revelation is not necessary they well know could they once show this the conclusion would be too plain to be denied if it be not necessary it is not true now this fundamental point you give up for supposing that eternal unchangeable decree one part of mankind must be saved though the christian revelation were not in being and the other part of mankind must be damned notwithstanding the revelation and what would an infidel desire more you allow him all he asks in making the gospel thus unnecessary to all sorts of men you give up the whole christian cause o oh, tell it not in gas lest the daughters of the uncircumcised rejoice lest the sons of unbelief triumph and as this doctrine manifestly and directly tends to overthrow the whole christian revelation so it does the same thing by plain consequence in making that revelation contradict itself for it is grounded on such an interpretation of some texts more or fewer it matters not as flatly contradicts all the other texts and indeed the whole scope and tenor of scripture for instance the asserters of this doctrine interpret that, that text of scripture jacob have i loved but esau have i hated as implying that god in a literal sense hated esau and all the reprobated from eternity now what can possibly be a more flat contradiction than this not only to the whole scope and tenor of scripture but also to all those particular texts which expressly declare god is love again they infer from that text i will have mercy on whom i will have mercy romans four fifteen that god is love only to some men namely the elect and that he has mercy for those only flatly contrary to which is the whole tenor of scripture as is that express declaration in particular the lord is loving unto every man and his mercy is over all his works psalms one forty five nine again they infer from that in the like text it is not of him that willeth nor of him that runneth but of god that showeth mercy that he showeth mercy only to those to whom he has respect from all eternity nay but who replieth against god now you now contradict the whole oracles of god which declare throughout god is no respecter of persons acts ten thirty four there is no respect of persons with him romans two eleven again from that text the children being not yet born neither having done any good or evil that the purposes of god according to election might stand not of works but of him that calleth it was said unto her unto rebecca the elder shall serve the younger you infer that our being predestinated or elect no way depends on the foreknowledge of god flatly contrary to this are all the scriptures and those in particular elect according to the foreknowledge of god first peter one two whom he did foreknow he also did predestinate romans eight twenty nine and the same lord over all is rich in mercy to all that call upon him romans ten twelve but you say no he is such only to those for whom christ died and those are not all but only a few whom god has chosen out of the world for he died not for all but only for those who were chosen in him before the foundation of the world ephesians one four flatly contrary to your interpretation of these scriptures also is the whole tenor of the new testament as are in particular those texts destroy not him with thy meat for whom christ died romans fourteen fifteen 
a clear proof that Christ died not only for those that are saved, but also for them that perish. He is the Savior of the world. John 4:42. He is the Lamb of God that taketh away the sins of the world. John 1:29. He is the propitiation, not for our sins only, but also for the sins of the whole world. He is the living God, is the Savior of all men. 1 Timothy 4:10. He gave himself a ransom for all. 1 Timothy 2.6 He tasted death for every man. Hebrews 2.9 If you ask, why then are not all men saved? The whole law and the testimony answer. First, not because of any decree of God, not because it is his pleasure they should die. For, as I live, saith the Lord God, I have no pleasure in the death of him that dieth. Ezekiel 18.3 and 32 Whatever be the cause of their perishing, it cannot be his will. If the oracles of God are true, for they declare, He is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Second Peter 3, 9 He willeth that all men should be saved. And they, secondly, declare what is the cause why all men are not saved, namely, that they will not be saved. So our Lord expressly, Ye will not come unto me that ye may have life. John 5:40 The power of the Lord is present to heal them but they will not be healed they reject the counsel the merciful counsel of God against themselves as did their stiff-necked forefathers and therefore are they without excuse because God would save them but they will not be saved this is the condemnation how often would i have gathered you together and you would not matthew twenty three thirty seven thus manifestly does this doctrine tend to overthrow the whole christian revelation by making it contradict itself by giving such an interpretation of some texts as flatly contradicts all the other texts and indeed the whole scope and tenor of scripture an abundant proof that it is not of god but neither is this all for seventhly it is a doctrine full of blasphemy of such blasphemy as i should dread to mention but that the honour of our gracious god and the cause of his truth will not suffer me to be silent in the cause of god then and from a sincere concern for the glory of his name i will mention a few of the horrible blasphemies contained in this horrible doctrine but first i must warn every one of you that hears as you will answer it at the great day not to charge me as some have done with blaspheming because i mentioned the blasphemy of others and the more you are grieved with them that do thus blaspheme see that ye confirm your love towards them the more and that your heart's desire and continual prayer to god be father forgive them for they know not what they do this premise let it be observed that this doctrine represents our blessed lord jesus christ the righteous the only begotten son of the father full of grace and truth as an hypocrite a deceiver of the people a man void of common sincerity for it cannot be denied that he everywhere speaks as if he was willing that all men should be saved therefore to say that he was not willing that all men should be saved is to represent him as a mere hypocrite and dissembler it cannot be denied that the gracious words which came out of his mouth are full of invitations to all sinners to say then he did not intend to save all sinners is to represent him as a gross deceiver of the people you cannot deny that he says come unto me all ye that are weary and heavy laden if then you say he calls those that cannot come those whom he knows to be unable to come those whom he can make able to come but will not how is it possible to describe greater insincerity you represent him as mocking his helpless creatures by offering what he never intends to give you describe him as saying on thing and meaning another 
as pretending to love which his had not him in whose mouth was no guile you make full of deceit void of common sincerity then especially when drawing nigh the city he wept over it and said o jerusalem jerusalem thou killest the prophets and stonest them that are sent unto thee how often would i have gathered thy children together and ye would not ethelesake oak ethelesate now if you say they would but he would not you represent him which who could hear as weeping crocodile's tears weeping over the prey which himself had doomed to destruction such blasphemy this as one would think might make the ears of a christian to tingle but there is yet more behind for just as it honors the son so doth this doctrine honor the father it destroys all his attributes at once it overturns both his justice mercy and truth yes it represents the most holy god as worse than the devil as both more false more cruel and more unjust more false because the devil liar as he is hath never said he willeth all men to be saved more unjust because the devil cannot if he would be guilty of such injustice as you ascribe to god when you say that god condemned millions of souls to everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels for continuing in sin which for want of that grace he will not give them they cannot avoid and more cruel because that unhappy spirit seeketh rest and findeth none so that his own restless misery is a kind of temptation to him to tempt others but god resteth in his high and holy place so that to suppose him of his own mere notion of his pure will and pleasure happy as he is to doom his creatures whether they will or no to endless misery is to impute such cruelty to him as we cannot impute even to the great enemy of god and man it is to represent the high god he that hath ears let him hear as more cruel false and unjust than the devil this is the blasphemy clearly contained in the horrible decree of predestination and here i fix my foot on this i join issue with every asserter of it you represent god as worse than the devil more false more cruel more unjust but you say you will prove it by scripture hold what will you prove by scripture that god is worse than the devil it cannot be whatever that scripture proves it never can prove this whatever its true meaning be this cannot be its true meaning do you ask what is its true meaning then if i say i know not you have gained nothing for there are many scriptures the true sense whereof neither you nor i shall know till death is swallowed up in victory but this i know better it were to say it had no sense than to say it had such a sense as this it cannot mean whatever it means besides that the god of truth is a liar let it mean what it will it cannot mean that the judge of all the world is unjust no scripture can mean that god is not love or that his mercy is not over all his works that is whatever it can prove beside no scripture can prove predestination this is the blasphemy for which however i love the persons who assert it i abhor the doctrine of predestination a doctrine upon the supposition of which if one could possibly suppose it for a moment call it election reprobation or what you please for all comes to the same thing one might say to our adversary the devil thou fool why dost thou roar about any longer thy line and wait for souls is as needless and useless as our preaching hearest thou not that god hath taken thy work out of thy hands that he doeth it much more effectually thou 
with all thy principalities and power canst only so assault that we may resist thee but he can irresistibly destroy both body and soul in hell thou canst only entice but his unchangeable decrees to leave thousands of souls in death compels them to continue in sin till they drop into everlasting burnings thou temptest he forcest us to be damned for we cannot resist his will thou fool why goest thou about any longer seeking whom thou mayest devour hearest thou not that god is the devouring lion the destroyer of souls the murderer of men moloch caused only children to pass through the fire and that fire was soon quenched or the corruptible body being consumed its torment was at an end but god thou art told by his eternal decree fixed before they had done good or evil causes not only children of a span long but the parents also to pass through the fire of hell the fire which never shall be quenched and the body which is cast thereinto being now incorruptible and immortal will be ever consuming and never consumed but the smoke of their torment because it is god's good pleasure ascendeth up for ever and ever oh how would the enemy of god and man rejoice to hear these things were so how would he cry aloud and spare not how would he lift up his voice and say to your tents o israel flee from the face of this god or you shall utterly perish but whither will ye flee into heaven he is there down to hell he is there also ye cannot flee from an omnipresent almighty tyrant and whether ye flee or stay i call heaven his throne and earth his footstool to witness against you ye shall perish ye shall die eternally sing o hell and rejoice ye that are under the earth for god even the mighty god hath spoken and devoted to death thousands of souls from the rising of the sun unto the going down thereof here o death is thy sting they shall not cannot escape for the mouth of the lord hath spoken it here o grave is thy victory nations yet unborn or ever they have done good or evil are doomed never to see the light of life but thou shalt gnaw upon them for ever and ever let all those morning stars sing together who fell with lucifer son of the morning let all the sons of hell shout for joy for the decree is passed and who shall disannul it yea the decree is passed and so it was before the foundation of the world but what decree even this i will set before the sons of men life and death blessing and cursing and the soul that chooseth life shall live and the soul that chooseth death shall die this decree whereby whom god did foreknow he did predestinate was indeed from everlasting this whereby all who suffer christ to make them alive are elect according to the foreknowledge of god now standeth fast even as the moon and as the faithful witnesses in heaven and when heaven and earth shall pass away yet this shall not pass away for it is as unchangeable and eternal as is the being of god that made it this decree yields the strongest encouragement to abound in all good works and in all holiness and it is a well-spring of joy of happiness also to our great and endless comfort this is worthy of god it is every way consistent with all the perfections of his nature it gives us the noblest view both of his justice mercy and truth to this agrees the whole scope of the christian revelation as well as all the parts thereof to this moses and all the prophets bear witness and our blessed lord and all his apostles thus moses in the name of his lord 
I call heaven and earth to record against you this day, that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore choose life, that thou and thy seed may live. Thus Ezekiel, to cite one prophet for all, The soul that sinneth, it shall die. The son shall not bear eternally the iniquity of the father the righteousness of the righteous shall be upon him and the wickedness of the wicked shall be upon him chapter eighteen verse twenty thus our blessed lord if any man thirst let him come unto me and drink john seven thirty seven thus his great apostle saint paul acts seventeen thirty god commandeth all men everywhere to repent all men everywhere every man in every place without any exception either of place or person thus st james if any of you lack wisdom let him ask of god who giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not and it shall be given to him james one five thus st peter second peter three nine the lord is not willing that any should perish but that all should come to repentance and thus st john if any man sin we have an advocate with the father and he is the propitiation for our sins and not for ours only but for the sins of the whole world first john two one and two oh hear ye this ye that forget god ye cannot charge your death upon him have i any pleasure at all that the wicked should die saith the lord god ezekiel eighteen twenty three and following repent and turn from all your transgressions so iniquity shall not be your ruin cast away from you all your transgressions whereby ye have transgressed for why will ye die o house of israel for i have no pleasure in the death of him that dieth saith the lord god wherefore turn yourselves and live ye as i live saith the lord god i have no pleasure in the death of the wicked turn ye turn ye from your evil ways for why will ye die o house of israel ezekiel thirty three eleven end of section twenty